The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases coming out every single month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the world's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your smartphone. Hear the special offer from Science Division later in the show and find out more at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my god, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. From the Podfleet Command JAG office and the Alpha Quadrant high atop Podfleet Command, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. So exciting and so pleased to have you here with us as we take on yet another season of Star Trek in one of our infamous series. And of course, by we, I do mean my co-host and I. Uh, I would skip him 100 times out of 100. He's the uh, largely unwatchable Dan Davidson. And Dan, uh, and the fan favorite is back this week, my friend. It is. Uh, it's good to be back. We had an impromptu week off last week. Apologies for that. We're back on track this week. Don't worry. We'll talk about Trek uh, Stump the Geek Infinity some other time. Um, but yeah, it's great to be here. See it or skip it. Skip it. You'd skip me 100 out of 100. Yeah. That's... Wow, it's consistent. Okay. That's the word you're it's looking very for. Very consistent. I, yeah. I, I I appreciate your consistency, uh, mon frere. But yeah, it's great to be here. See it or skip it. Like we said, Voyager. As we continue this awesome Voyager 25 celebration virtually, pretty much uh, this year. So we're going to tackle season five. Five seasons. We've done four. We're going to do in the fifth. We got two more after this. Oh, your good math is not hard. No, not at all. I, I'm, I'm very proud of that. No, it's, it's true. Yeah, we felt bad about having to reschedule Stump the Geek Infinity, but uh, yeah, life happened last week, and, uh, and it just uh, it was easier to reschedule. Um, it's going to be good, because you've seen a preview of what it's going to be, Dan, although oh you don't God. know the questions. I don't. And you are in for it. I'm happy um, to do that next week. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're also being joined today by one of my oldest and dearest friends to referee this theater skip it, Dan. 
Absolutely. He's a great guy. Um, I met him a few years back, and, and we've become good friends also. Uh, his name is Matt McGonigal. He's a New Hampshireite, just like we are, so we're kind of like having a trio of New Hampshire people to talk Cedar Skip at Voyager Season 5. He's a lot of fun. He loves Voyager. We'll have a better introduction later for him because I have a feeling he might do an imitation. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I have a feeling that you might do some contact information. So how can the folks listening tell us what they would see or skip? Well, uh, we truly love hearing from all of you who listen. And we've got a bunch of ways that you can get in touch with us. You can email us. You can send us a voicemail. And you can chat us up. All kinds of methods to get us your comments or feedback or, or suggestions. And it all starts by going to trekgeeks.com slash contact. Uh, and now you can find us and the other hosts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network over at the most positive Star Trek group on, uh, on Facebook. It's Camp Kittimer. Uh, there are a lot of Trek groups on Facebook, and Camp Kittimer is truly different because it's about we, what we love as Star Trek. So open up that Facebooky doodad on your flip phone or other device and search for Camp Kittimer, and be ready to take part of a truly wonderful social experience. Um, yeah, as always, you can head to our wonderful... <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be cut right out. <laughs> and as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan, for the amazing job that they do running the camp. Uh, but please remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places, whether it be on any of the common things, slash doodads, hickeys, whatever you want to do over on Facebook, uh, we're going to use it in a future episode if you contact us. Just be prepared to hear your name and your comment. We're also going to leave that whole thing in there because I need to explain to people what happened. I knew you weren't going to read this copy before you read it right, because so I changed it. it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I put in a Ron Burgundyism yes, uh, where it literally says, go <laughs> yourself, San Diego. Because <laughs> um, that's what it says in the movie Anchorman. Yes. And he just reads it. And of course, a riot starts and he gets fired. Um, so I wanted to see if you would actually read it and you didn't. So congratulations, you passed the test. And then, but then I was so like, what the heck that I screwed up the next sentence. So that's why I had to do the pause, but that's okay. Jerk. Uh, Here we are, almost through another month, and that means in just a few days, our next batch of new releases will be coming from our friends at Fansets. It always kind of feels like Christmas with Fansets, doesn't it? It really does. The beginning of the month, the middle of the month, it seems like only a few days ago that uh, they released their first set of awesome lower deck character pins, doesn't it, Bill? Actually, it was only a few days ago. So uh, Then, of course, we had an impromptu week off. So we missed the release of two new surprise pins last week. The La Serena Nose Art from Star Trek Picard, along with Rebecca Romaine's number one from Star Trek Discovery 2, and rumor has it some show called Strange New Worlds. Uh, you know, I love all the pins that Fansets releases because the quality is amazing, the detail is even better, and their customer service is, well, it, it really is the best of the best of the best, sir, with honors. <laughs> little 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 men in black reference there. Dude, men in black pins 
All right, guys, you guys, you guys got to get on that. Um, now, we recently discussed the All Good Things Delta was about to be released, but it's been caught in a temporal anomaly in three time periods. So uh, it'll be available just as soon as Luke can rescue it. Also, we're very happy and excited to announce that you will be able to pre-order your Voyager 25 collector set starting October 1st. The folks at Fansets have found a black frame for the set and wanted to thank everyone who participated in their recent poll, Bill. That is great news, Dan. I can't wait to get my hands on that Voyager 25 collector set. Also, please don't forget, Magnetic Back Starfleet Deltas will be making their debut right around the holiday season. Hey, another Christmas reference in the same spot. I love it. So keep your eyes and your ears open for that big release. Until then, go to fansets.com. When you get there, put a whole lot of pins and accessories and even gift certificates into your cart, because when you spend more than 30 bucks, you're automatically going to get free shipping within the United States. And then on top of that, for 15% off your entire order, use the special Trek Geeks discount code for this week, Dark Frontier. That's D-A-R-K-F-R-O-N-T-I-E-R in all capital letters with no spaces. This discount code will be available to use from now until Wednesday, September 30th, 2020 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets, our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. So, Bill, here we are. Here we are. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Nobody cares. So we're here um, to talk about something that is very dear to our hearts, and that's Voyager. Very, very dear. Also, see it or skip it. Love see it or skip it. Oh, my God. And it's season five of Voyager. So that's like three things that are just awesome. The only bummer is that we're getting close to the end of Voyager. That is a bummer. But I don't want to look at the negative. I'm going in the positive. And we have three positive things right now. You know what would make it even better? What's that, Dan? If we had an awesome guest joining us to referee season five of Voyager, see it or skip it. Did we get that? Because I'm guessing no. No, we didn't. So <laughs> we're just going to put up with what we can. No, I'm just kidding. We have a, an awesome, awesome friend with us. I, You know, uh, you've known him for, as we were talking about before we started recording, almost 40 years. Yeah, a long time. That's a long time. That's like twice as long as you and I have known each other almost. Yeah, almost, yeah, I know. We go way um, back to the old uh, Guilford days. So. Yeah, and and I've known him for several years, like five maybe, something like that, right mm. about the first time of STOV. But it feels like I've known him for 40 because he's just so awesome. You know, <clears throat> there is nobody in the world who does a Baylock laugh impersonation better than this gentleman. He is an unabashed Catherine Janeway fan, and he is here to join us for season five, see it or skip it. He is our good and dear friend, Matt McGonigal. Matt, welcome to the show, buddy. (laughs) Hello, guys. Great to be here. I can't think of how many times I've heard that laugh. All the times (laughs) you and I have watched Star Trek. All the times you and I have watched that episode. And and McCoy (laughs) and Bailey. And I think he actually did it that loud at a restaurant that we were at, not too long ago up in uh, Manchester. He, he's done it that loud pretty much every time I've known him. We were in the middle of a friendlies in, in Laconia, New Hampshire one time having ice cream. And there's, you know, the restaurant's busy, you know, every booth, booth is taken. And just out of nowhere, he breaks into the Baylock laugh. And I think just about half the people, you know, were scared out of their minds. <laughs> But that's well, Matt. It, that is yeah. Matt. Well, Matt, before we get started, sure. Tell us, tell us what it is about Voyager and Janeway that that just 
means so much to you because you are a huge Voyager fan and you love Catherine Janeway and you've been so happy that Bill and I have come around to love it as much as we do. So happy about that. And I remember back at the 50th in Las Vegas, you guys were giving me such a hard time because I was shooting my mouth off about Janeway and Voyager and you guys were poo-pooing and poo-pooing and poo-pooing. <laughs> we were, we were. And I've heard Bill several times give his mea culpa, mea culpa, and uh, there, there's something about I, I tend to look uh, at Star Trek through the lens of a of a of a theater person because uh, that's my training. So I tend to look at the writing. I tend to look at the direction. I tend to look at the acting from uh, somebody who goes to live theater and appreciates live theater. And I, I just really feel like Voyager uh, does so much. Um, has so much theatricality uh, in a positive sense uh, in terms of live theater and what it does and the acting and the directing. And I understand that the writing isn't always there, unfortunately, and oftentimes the plot kind of stumbles. But I think in general, the characters in the way that they, uh, uh, they were created by the actors and the way that they were given some sort of free reign more so with Seven of Nine and The Doctor, but which we'll get into, I'm sure. But um, I, I just really, Janeway, uh, there's so much humanity in Janeway and, and how she looks at things. And I really appreciated, Bill, you t- the last time when you took uh, Captain's Courageous, when you were talking about Janeway and all the things that she uh, brings to the table and her background and the way that she looks at things. And I thought this season in particular, there were times where she had conversations with seven of nine, where I really felt like it was, it was very, it was sort of teary. I mean, the, the way yeah. that she, she, there's really, she really embraces seven and makes decisions and in general makes decisions about the ship and about her people uh, in a very uh, humanistic way. She really, you know, her thought process and all of that. And of course, there are episodes this season too where she kind of goes off the rails, but I'm sure we'll get into that. But at any rate, um, I, you guys gave me the opportunity to pick a season to referee you guys. And this is the season I chose because I think there's so much awesome TV and so many great episodes and so much great acting that uh, I wanted to uh, partake. You know, and we are thrilled, truly thrilled to have you here. And, you know, why couldn't you have told me all that stuff about 20 years ago when you were watching <laughs> Voyager, you jerk? Well, it's funny because <laughs> it's sort of like you in Deep Space Nine. So this yeah. is my yeah. thing with Deep Space Nine is that uh, I, I'm not a real big Deep Space Nine fan. What? And uh, my, my big thing is first season, remember I came to you and I just said, it just seems like somebody turned the lights out. Like it's it's really dark yep. and uh, it, uh, that it was really hard for me to get into. And um, it, you kept saying, you got to give it time. You got to give it time. And of course, the more time I gave it, the better it got. And But I think my Deep Space Nine is Voyager, like your, yeah. deep, oh, okay. your Voyager is Deep Space Nine. I think that's pretty that. reasonable. You want to talk about theatricality. I mean, DS9 has that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. In amazing ways, it, just from the actors themselves, who all are just amazing stage actors. But that's a conversation for another time. Tonight, we're going to talk about Voyager season five. See it or skip it. Skip it. Skip, skip it. it. Skip it. Skip it. Skip it. 
<laughs> and uh, you get to referee the chaos. Um, chaos. It's an it's an unenviable task, Matt, and not everyone can do it. And we are sure that you're going to do it with great aplomb. Um, if anyone could wrangle the two of us, it's got to be you because I, I think you're probably a little more um, uh, bizarre than we are at times. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like plums. Shut up. Peaches. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of peaches. So I know you know how this works, but for everybody listening, in case you haven't heard or see it or skip it in a while, Dan and I are going to go through all 26 episodes of Voyager Season 5. And we're going to tell you, spoiler alert, whether you should see it or skip it. And then we're going to tell you why. Matt's going to chime in with his rating. And then we're going to tell you what our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, decided as far as a rating percentage. Uh, Matt's going to go through the list and, and referee as best he can um, <laughs> if we aren't um, trying to referee him, Dan. Well, that's a good point. We never yeah. really have had a guess where we've had to do that. I know. But I could see getting up on the top rope and giving him a forearm shiver if it comes down to it. Yeah, super fly right off the <laughs> top. Yeah, we go. Whoa, whoa, hey. Sorry. Didn't know it was going to come to that. But Matt, you have, uh, you have the floor and you can start uh, with whomever you like, sir. I am very excited. We're going to start with episode number one, which is called Night. Good start. Good start. Yes. Traveling through a large area of space, completely devoid of stars and civilizations, the Voyager crew copes with the prospect of long-term isolation. We are going to start with Dan. Oh, thank you. Yeah, D comes before B in the uh, alphabet. Okay. All right. It's also a better grade. So yeah, no, it's yeah. not actually better great, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to give this a see it. It's a pretty okay season premiere. It's it's better than okay. It, it's really good. And you got to think, knee high fill knee high. Oh God, I can't even say it. Knee high lophobia. Knee high lophobia. I'm saying it. That is the fear of nothingness, or in layman's terms, just to make sure everybody can understand the area between Bill's ears. It, it's it's a very very specific thing. So. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. It's I'm a big head too. It, it, oh my God. It's, it's huge. Giant. It's like, it's like a, it's like a billboard forehead. It's giant melon. Um, yeah. Seriously though, the story is a great example of psychological issues that the crew has to deal with while they're in the void. The least of which is Janeway locking herself away to deal with the guilt that she has for straining the crew so far from home. Really great performances by a lot of people on this. So I definitely see it. What do you say there, Mr. Smith? Well, thank you, Mr. Davidson. Um, what a great description of that episode. Uh, this one for me is a see it. This is one of my favorite Voyager episodes. If for no other reason than where it takes Janeway to. Yeah, okay. uh, there are times during this pandemic as we record this that I can kind of relate to her in a way with the isolation, with the, you know, the feeling like, what are we doing out here? But Kate truly shines in this one. I mean, everybody else does. There are solid performances all around here. First non-cliffhanger season premiere in a while. And I really think they knocked it out of the park there, Maddie. Well, I agree. I, I de- it's definitely a see it. I, I think uh, if for nothing else to see Janeway finally return to the bridge after her isolation period, I don't necessarily agree with you, Bill, with what you had said in Captain's Courageous about how it it was a courageous move for Janeway to separate herself from the rest of the crew. I kind of felt like she needed a little bit of a kick, a little bit of okay. a, and a part of it too is I think she felt like she needed to be needed. You know, she she they're in this fifty three days of 
of no stars. It's drudgery. Everybody's kind of down. And she needed this, you know, she comes out with that phaser rifle and it's like, okay, game on. Um, so I agree with you. I thought it was a little bit messy. Um, I was surprised to say that you thought it's one of your favorite Voyager episodes. I thought it was a good entree into the, into the fifth season, but not fantastic. Well, you're fired. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dan, uh, you can find a new co-host while we're doing this. Right? No, I, a, I, I can respect everything you say, um, except for that whole part in the middle. Um, Camp Kittimer said uh, to the tune of 89.1% that they would see this episode. So we're off to a great start with night, um, which is hard to believe. Yeah. It's only downhill from here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Episode two is drone. The doctor's mobile emitter is damaged, beaming an away mission, merging with Sundine's Borg nanoprobes and the DNA of a male ensign to create a 29th century Borg. Bill, you're up. This one for me is a see it. I think that this is probably one of Voyager's best treatments of the Borg. And I think it's because it's such a personal story. I like Iborg from, uh, from TNG for the same reason, um, because it, it's less about the collective and more about the one. And that really draws me. And I think it's a story that's told very well. And of course, you know, uh, Jerry's fantastic in it, Dan. Yeah. You, uh, you said just about everything that I was going to say, man, uh, it's a definite see it for me. I think this is one of the best Borg episodes in all of Star Trek. Uh, you said Jerry did a great job. I totally agree. Uh, I think J Paul Bomer as one does a fantastic oh, job. Awesome. And it awesome. took me a while to realize, I'm like, I know I've seen him somewhere before and he was in the killing game. He was one of the uh, Nazi soldiers that was Bala- the love interest, um, or he loved Bellana. I didn't really reciprocate, but, but yeah, he does a great job as one. The end of this episode just rips oh. your heart right out. Oh, totally. When, oh. when she cries, you're hurting me. And one simply looks up from the bio bed and says, you will, you will adapt. adapt. Oh. Great emotion. The yeah. bull- were emotionless. This is one of the most emotional uh, episodes of the season. So yeah, definite see it for me too, Matt. I absolutely agree. A total see it. Uh, I agree with, Everything you guys have said, the first thing I was going to say was that last scene, Jerry Ryan's face, and when he says, you will adapt, it's just, it's my, my, my head blew off my body. Um, wow. It's, uh, the, wow. the thing I really, the thing I really liked um, was the concept about uh, learning by teaching, right? Yeah. And this whole thing about how Seven of Nine uh, is teaching the Borg, which is helping her to reinforce what her place is on Voyager. And I really love that. I, I, I just love the treatment to see the Borg fetus was weird yep. and cool at the same time. Um, and uh, I love the line when uh, the doctor says, I see you've got your mother's sense of humor. <laughs> I thought it was really, really funny. Um, but yes, I absolutely agree. It's definite see it. Well, Camp Kittimer is right there with us. Uh, 90.9% of respondents said that they would see drones. So off to a strong start all around. So far, everybody's a see it for the most part, which is really cool. Great. Okay, episode three, Extreme Risk. Bellana purposefully puts herself into increasingly dangerous situations. Meanwhile, the crew decides to build a new shuttlecraft, the Delta, Delta Flyer. Dan, you are up. I love that Delta flyer. Flyer. 
Yeah, um, I gave this one a C at two, guys. Barely, though. It's not one of my favorite episodes of the season. It's a good story, but for me, it's a, it's a really perfect example of my earlier gripes with Voyager. Great first 38 minutes and then a terrible wrap-up, I thought. Um, I found it interesting that Balana is dealing with the loss of the Maquis now, um, but at least we get the Delta Flyer, uh, without which there would never have been a podcast with that hate. So, yay, Bill. <laughs> Well, there's that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> this one for me is a see it. I like it when Star Trek takes on topics that it doesn't normally do. You forget this one takes on risk addiction, which I think is really kind of a fascinating subject. And I think it's probably one that gives Roxanne somewhere really interesting to go with Bellana. It stretches who Bellana is. So I like this one for that alone. So for me, Maddie, it's a see it. That's great. I totally agree. It's a see it. I think if for nothing else, then to see the Genesis and in introduction into the Delta flyer. Um, and uh, I read somewhere, I think that the Bolana story was, was uh, introduced by Roxanne Dawson. I think I read that somewhere that she went uh, to the writers about that, but at any rate, um, one of the scenes in this episode was one that I was just, that I that I wanted to bring up about Janeway with her handling of the interrogation of Bolana in sick bay before she grounds her. I just think the way that Kate Mulgrew handles scenes like that that's that that is her that is her strength as yeah. an actor, yeah. and uh, and and on top of all of that. Uh, the 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 whipped cream here is the whole idea of togetherness and family in Star Trek. So, whipped cream, yeah. <laughs> whipped cream. No. Uh, Camp Kittimer, uh three out of four people would see this episode. Seventy four and a half percent would would say see it to extreme risk. So I think that's very interesting. A little bit of a drop off. Hmm. Um, there are going to be some ratings that surprise us through the season, I think. Oh, sure. And that's not one of them. I'm going to tease that right now. So you have piqued me, Bill. You've piqued me. <laughs> Your interest. Let's be specific. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you piqued my interest, Bill. Thank you. Okay. Episode four in the flesh. The crew discovers an outpost manned by a group of species 8472 who have taken human form as a training measure for a secret mission. Bill, I apologize. You're first on this one. Oh, that's okay. This one for me is actually a see it. Um, anachronistic digital cameras aside, <laughs> this is a great story and, and quite a unique situation that the Voyager crew finds itself in. Plus, any chance to see more with 8472, I am here for all day. Oh, and I couldn't care less about Boothby. Uh, oh. I never liked him. I'm done with him. I hope we never see him again. And I can't wait oh. for the hate mail to come in. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just not a Boothby fan. The guy's a gardener. Let it go. Um, so that's a see it, Dan. Okay. Next. <laughs> um, I gave this one a see it also. I really like this episode. It is a bit of a stretch for me to believe that Species 8472 has such a remarkable holographic representation of Starfleet and Starfleet Academy and apparently has several strewn throughout the quadrant or the, the galaxy or whatever. But I'm okay with it because I really do like the story. And um, a little bit different than Bill, any chance to see Boothby and Ray Walston is good for me because I kind of like him. You don't see him often. He's grumpy. He kind of reminds me of Bill a little bit, kind of looks like him, kind of old and craggly. Um, so I, I don't mind I don't mind uh, Boothby at all. What do you think there? Uh, I think you're both wrong. This is a skip it for me. 
Um, oh, nice. I think that uh, the writing is not good um, and that the performances don't then lift the episode. Um, I thought there's a lot of silly lines at the end, especially that are meant to be very grandiose. It has a very soap operatic feel to it. Um, and Chakotay falling in love with species A, uh, A472 just doesn't do it for me. It doesn't go anywhere. It ends abruptly. I say thumbs down. Well, I have to tell you that uh, Camp Kittimer doesn't quite agree with you, Maddie. I think you're in the minority <laughs> on this one. Straight up 80% even wow. they would see uh, in the flesh. Hmm. So, um, and, and this happens. I mean, sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes you're on an island with Theater Skip and it's happened to me quite a bit. Yep. Yep. Um, and I, I'm sorry, old and craggly, Dan? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I look younger than you do. Oh, please. Whoa, 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 whoa. Please. Wait and pasty. That's that's how I keep my good looks. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm going to look like this forever. All right. Moving on. Episode number five, Once Upon a Time. Neelix looks after Naomi Wildman when her mother is injured on an away mission. Bill, you go first again because I know you're a big Flotter fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love Flotter. I'm going to surprise some people here and say that this is a see it and barely so. Um, I like what happens with Neelix here. That's why. But I have to say, I really don't care about the Wildmans. Um, oh. This episode is kind of meh. Um, although the conflict and the drama are portrayed well, I just, I, I don't, I'm not engaged by this story and I just have a hard time watching it, Dan. We uh, we see eye to eye on on almost everything so far uh, this season, Bill. I gave it a see it, and I came very close to giving it a skip it. I'm just tired of the shuttlecraft crashes and the crew must figure out how to survive aspect of Star Trek. Yeah. We've seen it too much, and we've seen it too much in Voyager, and we're only at the beginning of season five. Um, I did like the Neelix-Naomi part of the story with sides of Neelix that we haven't really seen before. And I really thought that Janeway and Neelix discussion on how to inform Naomi about the crash was one of the episodes highlights. Another great job by Kate, Matt. Uh, I unfortunately have had, this is my second skip it in a row. I'm going to say skip it on this one. Um, Flotter and Trevis just kill me. And <laughs> uh, I mean, it really feels like a bad Santa's village skit. Um, I did terrible children's theater like that in college, and maybe that's just all coming back to me. I agree with you guys on the Wildmans. I'm not a big fan of that whole uh, side uh, uh, bit. And um, I, I just felt like there's a disconnect between what's happening on the ship, what's happening on the, on the, on the planet. And there's not a lot of discussion about Tuvok or Paris, and they're supposedly going to be dead. Mm. And so, uh, and I understand you're not going to always get everybody into these, uh, into the, into the scope of the story, but um, it just didn't do it for me. So I, uh, I'm going to say skip it. Well, Camp Kittimer uh, wants to agree with, with you this time, Matt. 38.2% um, of respondents said they would skip this episode. Now that's the Ouch. second lowest rating of the season. Believe it or not, it's not the lowest. Bet I know which is. I bet you you do. <laughs> um, there are a couple of verbatims here because I just got those in email that I want to call out here. Um, not a fan of Naomi Wildman, but this one works. See it. Has Dan turned Flotter into a Farkism yet? <laughs> <laughs> um, those are, uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, one person says, worth it for all the great Naomi gifts it's given. Uh, see it. So apparently social media <laughs> is better for Naomi Wildman. Okay. okay. Naomi Wildman. All right. Uh, episode six is timeless. 15 years in the future, Chakotay and Harry Kim attempt to prevent the Voyager from crash landing on an ice planet. Dan, you're up. Oh my God. How can this be anything but a see it with like 20 exclamation points? This is my favorite episode of the season. It's the best episode of season five. It's an amazing story of guilt and what it can do if you let it take control of your life. Um, I have a very personal connection to this episode also. Harry stops at nothing to correct his mistake and is willing to sacrifice everything to make it right. This is one of the most important must-see episodes in Star Trek, in my opinion, Bill. Oh, good. Thank you for your opinion. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, this one, I I can't agree with Dan Moore. It's obviously a see-it. Um, and this is an all-time top 10 episode of Voyager and maybe in all of Star Trek itself. It's that good. It's that important. And um, it's, uh, I think it was the anniversary year episode too, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, just great performances all around that. Absolutely agree. Definitely see it. I love the underlying tension in the episode. It's palpable, engaging. I think it's uh, the, uh, the best Harry Kim episode thus far. He's very yeah. compelling as a character. Um, and I'll tell you what, Todd, going back to the looking through the theater lens, uh, the direction was so good that I don't normally do this, but I, 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 I like to know who directed the, the episodes, but I didn't look. And then I went back and found out that it's LeVar Burton yeah. uh, directed this episode. And I thought the direction was so good. And if, if for nothing else, you should see it for that first shot of Voyager under the ice. Oh, yeah. I oh. mean, that's so... The cinematography, chilling. chilling. Yeah. yeah, so I absolutely agree. Um, I think the challenges of writing something like this and making sure that you meet all of the criteria for going back in time and checking all those those boxes, it's hard, may, it's hard to make it work, but it works. And the, the ending with Harry Kim talking to Harry Kim was pretty cool too. Yeah, oh yeah, it was. Well, if you can believe this, um, it's not a unanimous vote in Camp Kittimer. 94.5% of respondents said that they would see Timeless. And believe it or not, that is not the highest rating of the season. So there are actually a few people who would skip Timeless. So once again, Camp Kittimer surprises, and it's always very interesting. Okay, uh, on to Episode 7, Infinite Regress, a transmission emanating from surviving technology from a destroyed Borg vessel induces multiple personality disorder in seven of nine. And William, you are up first. Thank you, Matthew. This one for me, I'm going to say see it. And in case anyone's keeping track, that's seven see it's in a row for me so far. Uh, Jerry gets so much to do here and it's all great to watch. Let's see a former Borg drone struggling with her own humanity who gets the equivalent of multiple personality disorder. Oh yeah. I'm here for that all day, Dan. (laughs) It's like we like, wrote each other's notes because we've been so (laughs) similar on all of these, dude. It's definitely a see it for me. This is a perfect example of why Jerry was such a perfect choice to play seven, because in this episode, she gets to play different kinds of seven. And who knew that multiple personality disorder caused by a Borg piece of technology could be so fun. Right, Matt? Yes, I absolutely see it. Uh, I, um, after seeing this episode, I actually 
Googled Jerry Ryan to see where she was trained. And she was trained at Northwestern, which is uh, a very high-ranked uh, theater school for acting, Dan. And uh, <laughs> really, the, being able to show off her acting chops in this episode, it's amazing. And I, I think the best moment of the episode is when Seven has that bit of a breakdown in sickbay and Janeway nestles close to her and tells her to hold on. And the look that they give each other, that, that just, it, it exemplifies the bond that they've, that they've created for mm-hmm. each other. So definitely see it. Three out of four folks in Camp Kittimer said that they would see this episode and the comments are all very positive on Jerry's performance. So it looks like that resonated with a lot of people and that's great to see. Okay. Uh, moving on to episode eight, Nothing Human, a wounded alien is brought on board from a stranded vessel and attaches itself to Bellana Taurus. Dan, you're up. This is a see it, and this is a tough episode. It, it really is for me. Um, it's a suffocating moral dilemma in this episode. I mean, you know, you can, you can turn it into to human history. What would survivors of the Holocaust do if the only way to save someone was to use the techniques of an inhuman SS doctor who performed experiments on live prisoners? Uh, That's the episode in a nutshell, and it really works here. The episode made me feel really uncomfortable, which means it succeeded on many levels. And I got to say, when Krell says ethics are arbitrary, it sends shivers down my spine because it seems that we're seeing that today with the pandemic on some levels. So it kind of hit home a little bit more for me, Bill. Uh, you know, I agree with you hundred percent. This one's a see it for me. I think the beauty of this episode is in the conflict that's presented here. You know, is it ethical to use the techniques of the Cardassian Dr. Mengele to save Balana? I mean, th- this episode is what Star Trek is all about. It's taking that mirror and it's holding it up to society and to, to events and saying, yep, how would we handle this? Or how should we handle this? What's the right thing to do? And sometimes the answer is we don't know. Um, and I think that that's where this episode really shines, Matt. You guys are way too serious. Good <laughs> My God, <laughs> ethical dilemmas, morality plays. Um, I'm going to say skip it on this one, guys. Interesting. Um, wow. I think it's a terrible idea. Um, I was really uh, put off by that figment creature attached to Bolana's neck. Um <laughs> And I, I, I just, I understand the ethical discussion. I understand the, the highfalutinness of, you know, the, the, I just didn't get it. It just didn't resonate with me. Um, uh, I, I just didn't do it for me. And I, I unfortunately, I'm going to skip this one. Well, that's there surprising. you have it. I think that's, I think that's a great rationale though. I can mm-hmm. appreciate that. 72.7% of folks in Camp Kittimer would see this episode. So um, I'm really kind of surprised at how high the percentages are so far uh, for season five. That that tells me that people are digging the season a lot. Apparently Matt's got three skippets already. So he, <laughs> Captain Voyager must uh, must really yeah. like this season. Really? Um, yeah, way to go Voyager fan 1701. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can't you wait guys, to end the show because I love Voyager so much. Skip it, skip it, skip it, skip you it. You guys, it. seriously, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, episode number nine. This is fun. 30 days. Tom Paris disregards orders by helping an aquatic world and is demoted to Ensign. Bill, you're up. I'm going to say this one's a see it. Speaking of what Star Trek does, 
like last episode. This episode is another prime example. Paris puts his career in jeopardy to do what is right. And seemingly there are actual consequences, something that rarely happens in Star Trek. And it's something that they remember in the next episode, which is even cooler, Dan. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, man. I gave this one a see it as well. Uh, if For anything, the Delta Flyer is now a submarine. Uh, <laughs> so the Enterprise in Into Darkness wasn't the first. So that takes care of that little argument out on the internet. And we actually get to see the Delaney sisters again. So two thumbs up there as well. Um, seriously, though, this might be one of the best Paris episodes, and there really aren't many of them, so this one really stands out. I think it's interesting to see just how determined he is here, and he risks it all. Hell, even Janeway fires on him in this episode, so uh, she's not too happy. I won't lie. I was wondering if this was another... Um, you know, the demotion was another ruse like we saw back in season two when he was doing some espionage. But nope, he stood up for what he believed in and he paid the price for it. Matt? I absolutely agree. Definite see it. I think it is a great Tom Paris story. Um, and I think it's the whole global warming primer, you know. Yeah. Uh, very appropriate given our current environmental situation. I love the simplicity of the story, even though it's there's a lot of weight uh, to the story, I love the simplicity to it. I love how it has that feel of a play. And beyond any of that, what you've already said about uh, uh, Tom willing to put himself out there and take whatever punishment he gets for making the decision that he believes is right. Uh, and for that decision to move on into future episodes, um, absolutely, absolutely a see it. I think my favorite verbatim from Camp Kittimer on this episode is this. It felt like 90 days watching this. Skip it. 76.4% uh, of respondents said they would see this episode, hmm. but that person clearly would not. Well, that happens. It does. It does happen. Okay, moving on to episode number 10, Counterpoint. While passing through divorce space, Voyagers routinely searched for telepaths. Daniel, you are up first. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a see it. That's 10 in a row. I don't know if that's ever happened with me, but uh, I'll have to go back and check. Uh, this is an episode that can, it honestly can be confusing if you really don't pay attention to what's going on. You know, is Kashyyyk really a good guy or is he a bad guy? And I guess that really all depends on if you're mad that he was apparently named after the Wookiee homeworld in Star Wars, <laughs> minus a couple Ys. Uh, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, all kidding aside, though, this is a good moral dilemma episode again. Um, is the crew breaking the law or is the crew doing whatever they can to help people in dire need of assistance? The answer is yes to both questions uh, when you get right down to it, Bill. Uh, I agree with you, Dan. And I, too, am a see it and also at 10 in a row. This is the first time that's ever happened with the two mm. of us on CNN. Yeah. But, uh, this episode makes me think a lot about what's going on in the world today with people who need the help and kindness of others for their very survival and the government that would deny them that. And I'm talking about whatever country you want to insert here in the in the comparison. Um, there's a lot to this episode. It moves very fast, but it's all written very well. And there's a really great turnabout for Janeway at the end. So I really dig this episode, Matt. Absolutely. Definite see it. Really intriguing plot line. And I, I saw a little bit of James T. Kirk and Janeway in this yeah. episode at yep. the end. Yeah. The yeah. way she kept turning around and then using her 
wily ways with the kiss and very, I mean, I was fooled several times as that's the whole point. Right. And, um, and she was so contemplative at the end. Um, just really, uh, thought, thought it was an awesome episode. So definitely see it. I'm not surprised you were fooled. You're not that bright. No, 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 no. Um, 83.6% of respondents in camp Kittimer would see this episode. Oh, sorry. No, 90.9. I got the wrong one. I'm sorry. Oh. I was reading the next line down. Spoiler alert. Uh, 90.9. So a nine out of 10. Um, people think it's a great Janeway episode. One said it's one big chess game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have our first meh and it's not from me. Wow. It's from Whoa. Kim Kittimer. Yeah. <laughs> is meh. that, uh, that Mark Harrelick, is that his name? Does, did he do other stuff in Star Trek? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. I don't think so. I'd have to look him up. He looked familiar, but okay. Hmm. All right. On to episode 11, latent image. The doctor finds out that some of his memories have been blocked. Bill, you're up first. Um, I'm at 11 in a row with see I'm going to continue the trend with latent image. You know, they say doctors make the worst patients and it seems to be true here too. This episode does a great job of giving the doctor a believable and real problem that has stakes. Apparently, Sophie's choice isn't any easier for holograms, and Picardo is just lights out in this episode. Probably among my favorite performances of his in Trek, Dan. Absolutely, Picardo's fantastic. This is a great. This is a great episode. It's a see it for me. It's a great Doctor episode, uh, and I found that the Doctor centric episodes are usually some of the finest of the season because Picard just kills it every single time, uh, and this one's no exception. Removing memories of a hologram is really an interesting quandary. Shouldn't the doctor have to deal with what happened just like every other sentient being must do? It's a great question, and it it makes you ponder, although a hologram, when are we going to recognize that perhaps the doctor's programming has grown to a level of sentience, kind of like data? Good question, Matt. Yeah, definitely see it. Uh, I mean, this is a total data-like story, right? I mean, yep. it could have been written for Next Generation. Um, I love the line, we gave him a soul. Should we be allowed to take that away now? I mean, that's a great, great line. Yeah. And then seven stinging query about, are you going to abandon me? To Jane. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just <laughs> awesome. Uh, definitely see it. I thought the special effects were really good for late 90s it has a really good pace to it it's really well written um and like you guys said uh bob picardo just knocks it out of the park and i kind of like how there's no resolution at the end yeah uh, my only issue is that in the next episode all of a sudden he's fine and at the end of this episode he's falling apart so 90 star uh, trek (laughs) maybe somebody can explain that to me but um uh, but a lot of really great uh, lines in this episode, really well written and uh, definite see it for me. Well, since I already spoiled the Camp Kittimer rating <laughs> at 83.6%, nice way to go, Bill. Yeah. Um, there aren't very many verba- verbatims on this. Um, one says it's barely a see it. And then the other verbatim says, uh, interesting clues style mystery, bigger mystery of if Voyager could have kept um, a set around if the doctor had decided to, why can't they have a second EMH for such emergencies? So there you go. Disc space. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> thanks might for answering cause, that burning question. Might cause problems with the writing as well. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah a little, little bit. 
Okay, on to episode 12, Bride of Chaotica. Paris's latest holodeck adventure, The Adventures of Captain Proton, takes an unexpected turn. Dan, you're up first, and I don't like the look on your face. Oh, my God. This is a scene every, oh, day, every okay, which way to Sunday. Are you kidding? This is so much fun, 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 oh. fun, fun. I love this episode. You know, each character gets to break out and have a blast. And Kate Mulgrew has been on record before that it was the most fun she had on the show. It's a great Flash Gordon-like holodeck adventure that never gets old. The overacting is fantastic. I love it. I love this episode, Bill. Yeah. Uh-oh. No, I'm going to keep the train going at eleven <laughs> at, at 12 in a row with Pride of Chaotica. It's an absolute see it. Um, after so many serious and heavy Star Trek episodes, this is a welcome lightening of tone, and it's just damn fun. I mean, it's it's nice to downshift every now and then and let the characters do something that doesn't necessarily have to be you know growing them or or, or causing them to experience trauma. and And this is a great great downshift, Matt. Absolutely, see it. Uh, gooey, campy goodness. It's uh, so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch the characters be able to do, or the actors be able to take on all these other characters. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, it just, just a nice departure from the serious stuff that's been going on this season. So definitely see it for me, Bill. Eighty-seven point three percent of respondents in Camp Kittimer. That's said sad. that they would see Bride of Chaotica. I'm surprised it's not higher. Me too. Um, but there are some who say, I dare you to skip it or say, skip it, see what happens. People <laughs> are very passionate about this episode. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, see it for Queen Arachnia. Kate Mulgrew rocks this episode. Um, and then the, the one of the skip it, uh, the only skip it verbatim really is uh, I agree with Tom, shut the program down. Um, wow. <laughs> and it's funny because they don't think that now they've talked on their podcast that they'd love to have a short trek of captain proton i would think that would be fantastic i suggested that yes during you did months before they you know when they had just started their podcast mm -hmm. uh, in a panel that they did online with creation so yep. i just want to say um i planted that seed that was you better me. get a writing credit <laughs> I, i'll take an associate producer credit i'm not i'm not picky <laughs> Matt looks perplexed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to figure that whole thing out. But anyway, okay, on to uh, episode number 13, Gravity. Tuvok and Paris crash on a planet stuck in a pocket of subspace where they meet a female named Nos. Bill, you're first. Thank you, Matt. Um, <laughs> this one for me barely is a see it. And the only reason I like watching this one is for the Tuvok backstory and the growth that that character has here. That's it. Otherwise I would skip this episode. I don't like the casting of Lori Petty either. Oh. She's just not believable to me no. at all. Still barely see it because Tim Russ is awesome. Dan. Okay. Well, you know, Sandra Bullock and George Clooney are so good in this. It's just <laughs> amazing. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong gravity. I'm sorry. I was thinking the movie. <laughs> You're an idiot. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, okay. It, I beat you to it, though, buddy. This is my first skip it of the season. Oh, I pull ahead. You do. Um, uh, <laughs> as a good friend of mine sometimes says, meh. 
So two people beat you to it this year, buddy. Two people beat me uh, to this Matt. season. Yeah, this season. So nothing here captures my interest. We've seen the whole time goes by differently in this area than the rest of the universe before. So it just it never it never held on to me. Even Tuvok's great performance or Tim Russ's great performance aside, I just couldn't give it a see it. So it's my first skip of the season, Matt. I am on board with you, Dan. I say skip it. Uh, it just didn't do anything for me either. I thought the episode needed more fleshing out and development. I thought it was sort of rushed. I thought they relied too much on the cinematography. I mean, there are beautiful costumes and sets and locations. I mean, it was sort of very Star Wars-y uh, in that way. It had a very cinematic feel to it. But I just, the whole time distortion back and forth and they're going at this time and they're going at this time just i'm with dan it just didn't really do much for me and i thought the plot was kind of dead so i say skip it and going back to one of dan's earlier points um another crash that they have to figure out how to survive yeah yeah. Um, that, that's yeah. two in this season alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dan, your point, well taken. Um, Thanks, si- 61.8% of respondents in Camp Kittimer said that they would see this episode. So that's like a D minus. Yeah. Um, most people, there's a meh. A lot of people call out the great Tuvok aspects of this. Um, uh, great Tuvok and Paris ep resolution was rushed though. There's a shock. Great Tuvok episode. Watch the Tuvok part. Skip the rest. Um, uh, we don't talk about this episode enough. See it. That's the one that really surprised me. Wow. So yeah, 61, almost 62% on this one. And I agree with you about Lori Petty. I thought it was a terrible choice. Yeah. To play I just, that part. I, she's, she's very, um, I'm trying to come up with a good word. Um, she, she's almost a little too um, nuanced for this character. Cause I think this character needs to be a little more grounded than she typically plays. And I think that that came across. And does she pick up uh, English because they're, because their time is sped up. I mean, I don't know. She, yeah. It's like in, 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 within 10 minutes, she knows exactly what they're saying and she can speak the language. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Okay. Bill, we love to talk about the galaxy's first interactive triple from Science Division, and have they made a great thing even better, my friend? See, I don't know. She don't trip over that copy. <laughs> <laughs> they sure have, Dan. If you adopt a Science Division triple this week, they'll send you not only your brand new interactive ball of fur from the Triple Homeworld, but also the little golden book, Too Many Tribbles, and their collectible triple art pin. Oh, man, that is just awesome. You know, you can buy your Tribble right now at sciencediv.com. And when it arrives, you can download the Section K7 app on your iOS or Android phone, give it a name, and even choose what ship it's going to be assigned to. Uh, You don't need to use the app to have your Tribble come to life, though. They have three modes, at ease when they're happy and content, on duty, which is a random mix of happy and angry sounds, and watchdog, where your Tribble will alert you to anything suspicious in your area. And, you know, since, you know, tribbles are not dangerous, uh, you can be sure that they have your best interest in mind, William. Right. And Dan, might I add, it doesn't stop with the little golden book and the tribble pin. Science Division also has a special discount code on top of all of this just for Trek Geeks listeners. So for $5 off the adoption of your Tribble on the Science Division website, be sure to enter the special code GOLDEN at checkout. That's GOLDEN in all capital letters. This code is good until Wednesday, September 30th, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. 
Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode of Trek Geeks. All right, moving on. Episode 14, Bliss. A large organism telepathically deceives the Voyager crew into flying into its digestive <laughs> chamber. <laughs> Gee, guess what I gave this one? <laughs> two in a row. Yeah, um, I feel like Matt McGonagall all of a sudden giving two skippets in a Voyager season five, but I gave it a skippet. Um, it happens every season. We talk about it every single time we do see it or skip it. There is always one episode. Haven't the slightest idea about it. Can't remember anything about it. Guess what, Bliss? That's you, <laughs> Bill. Um, well, I want to say my run was a good one at 13 see it in a row. Um, this one for me is my first skip it of the season at the halfway point of the season. Um, let me see if I get this straight. You mean... There's a wormhole that might not seem like it's for reals. <laughs> Color me shocked. <laughs> this episode is dull. It's forgettable, yeah. much like my co-host. Um, what? So a definite uh, skip. Not your guest, though. I was going to no. say, don't talk no, to no, 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 no. I said my okay. co-host. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. Just said. Yeah, why don't you take so, that batleth and just so go a little true, though. Yeah. <laughs> Maddie, what about you? Well, uh, I am going to turn the tide here, and I'm going to say this is a see it. Wow. You're, you're yep. just the ultimate yep. contrarian. Yep. Um, <laughs> it, the, it reminds me a little bit of the game. Um, oh. it, it's it's uh, and, and it has sort of a data Wesley with Seven and Naomi, them having to t kind of team up. And I'm not a Naomi Wildman fan, but I kind of like their back and forth. Um, there's a little bit of a nexus in this with uh, the way that they, the, the actors have to kind of play up and they think everything's great. And um, I know that uh, it's not perfect, um, but, I, but I, I enjoyed it and I, I appreciated um, all the little dips and turns that went into it. Huh. Interesting. I, yep. that, that perspective fascinates me. It's not out of step necessarily with Camp Kittimer. 69.1% uh, of respondents said that they would see bliss. And that actually kind of surprises me. Um, there aren't many verbatims, but uh, one says brilliant episode. And the other one says, this is the same idea as Space 1999's episode, The Bringers of Wonder, which I oh love. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> that's, that's a total deep cut because I haven't seen Space 99 in about 35 years. Um, but And you're 70, so. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, it's interesting to see how many people like this episode. So that's kind of cool. Okay, um, moving on to episode 15, the first part of a two-parter, Dark Frontier Part 1. Janeway plans to steal a transwarp coil from a disabled Borg ship, Seven of Nine, and experiences memories of her past just before she and her parents are assimilated. And we're going to start with Dan again, just because. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, I'm going to give this one a see it. And, you know, I am one of the people who has always criticized Voyager for wussifying the Borg. But I find myself, as I have watched Voyager again, thank you, H&I, um, that I I really like the Borg stories. And this is no exception. Uh, it's a good story. 
it's a great backstory about the Raven, even though I don't really like the fact that they're out there so many years before Q who, and that can be a whole debate in itself on a whole nother episode just to talk about that. But you know, it's, it's great. And we get the return kind of, Mm -hmm. of the Borg queen bill. Wow, that was uh, that was uh, chilling. Wow, yeah, spectacular. I just want to say thank you, Netflix, because if we're going to plug people that aren't paying <laughs> us, um, I'm going to plug the service where Voyager is one of the most watched shows. Yes, but that's and I get to watch without commercials, so suck it, Dan. Um, <laughs> I'm back on the see it train. I don't love this episode, but I like it enough to watch it. Um, I think that they tried to make it too much like First Contact instead of doing something completely unique. And there are times where that shows in this episode. However, the idea to steal a piece of board technology is the great basis for an episode or two in this case. And I do like where it goes. So it's a see it for me, Matt. Definitely see it for me. I mean, uh, see it for the first two and a half minutes of the episode. I mean, those first two and a half minutes are just lights out. Awesome. Um, I mean, when they transport that torpedo onto the Borg scout ship and Janeway says, I'm feeling lucky. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's on, it's on. Um, I mean, I love the flashbacks. I love going deep into seven psyche. Um, uh, I can't remember if, if I've tried not to get the first part confused with the second part. We get enough of Annika's mom in this, right? Her parents in the first part. Yep. Yep. Okay. I just thought that in watching the actress who plays uh, Annika's mom, she definitely studied Jerry Ryan and played the part, played, had so many of Jerry Ryan's affectations. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting. So I, I, I am a, I love this episode. I, uh, and I thought definite see it. And I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Well, Camp Kittimer to the tune of 89.1% said that they would see this episode. Sorry, 85.5. 85, yeah. Um, The next one's 89.1. So we'll talk about these two. You're such an idiot. We'll take take these two together for Camp Kittimer. Um, The thing that surprises me in the 85.5 verbatims is that there are people who think that this is where the Borg get ruined. Um, there are three verbatims in particular. Uh, this is where the Borg are irreparably ruined. Skip it. Uh, I'd, I'd see it even if it messes with the Borg timeline. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then skip it. The ruination of the Borg begins here. Pretend this never happened. I'm fascinated by those comments because I just don't see it like that. And, you know, it's going to be interesting that you, that you say that, Bill. As I continue to watch season six and season seven again, I wonder if I will go back to what I've been saying about how Voyager wussified the Borg from this point on because we talked about Drone and how good that is. Yeah. We like these. So that's an interesting uh, comment by uh, the folks in Camp Kittimer. Very interesting. Well, we know there's that partial assimilation coming up at some point, which yes, really drives true. me crazy. Yes. Yep. Um, I'm interested to see if I feel any better about that. Do you necessarily agree with those comments about – I do, uh, right now I don't. Okay. No, yeah. I, yeah, no, I don't. No, I don't see that episode. either. Yeah. I don't see that either. No. So uh, okay, very interesting. Uh, episode sixteen, Dark Frontier Part Two. The Borg Queen tells Seven of Nine that she will leave her individuality intact, so the Borg can study her memories. Bill, you are up. Uh, I'm going to see this half too. I, I'm pretty much you know consistent on two parters. 
especially this one. Like Dan said for the last ha- part of this, I could do without some of the stuff on the Raven, but I do like the inner conflict for Seven and her scenes with the incredible Susanna Thompson as the Borg Queen are just fantastic. Um, it's just stuff I love to watch, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. I gave this a see it. And and to echo what you just said, Bill, my first comments are I love Susanna Thompson as Dax's love interest, Dr. Lenora Khan in Deep Space Nine. So seeing her here as the Borg Queen, I couldn't help but love her in this episode or this this two-parter. She does a great job channeling what Alex Krieg was like in First Contact. Oh. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And this personally gives me some kind of you know belief that there's more than one queen in the collective. That's always been an argument that she's just the board queen played by a different actress, but then Alice comes back later. Spoiler alert. Um, but I've always kind of thought that, you know, maybe different areas might have a different queen depending on what's going on. Like we kind of, well, I don't want to give a spoiler for Picard, so I'm not going to say anything. Um, but I got to say one thing before I turn over to Matt, the scene where, Annika's father shows up as a drone mm. is just oh, gut-wrenching, that's yeah. mind-blowing. It is awesome. Did not yeah. – well, I kind of expected it, but didn't also. Matt? Yeah. Uh, definitely see it. Um, uh, I, I – just the whole – the complexity of whether or not Seven is going to give herself up to save Voyager, will she really do that? And the look on Janeway's face – when the board ship goes into warp is such a gut punch. I mean, the look on her face, um, it's it, it just unbelievable. The question I wanted to ask you guys um, is, why do you think Seven would not tell Janeway about the Borg's offer when she goes to see her in her ready room? Why do you think she would not? It seems to me they have the type of relationship where she's going to share that sort of stuff with, with Janeway. Why do you think she would not share that? I think because she has grown to respect and admire Janeway and the simple fact that she's, she's thinking about it. She's embarrassed. I can see that. I was going to, I was going to say if, if not embarrassment, then perhaps uh, fear, Um, fear that maybe Janeway wouldn't trust her as much. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Um, That was the other thing that crossed my mind. Um, Although I hadn't considered that angle before, but um, I, I could, uh, the more I think about Dan's comment, the more I think it's probably embarrassment. That's really interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about that. So, and seven getting back on the Delta flyer at the end is like snuggling into a warm blanket. That was freaking <laughs> awesome. So good. <laughs> um, of course I already uh, revealed the 89.1%, yes. no verbatims on this one from Camp Kittimer, which is surprising. Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. Moving on to episode 17, the disease like Bill's face. Oh, Kim finds love when the crew encounters a Varro generational ship that needs assistance repairing its warp drive. Bald Dan, you're up first. Actually, you know what? I'm going to punt to Bill on this. It's not something I usually do, but I'm punting. I'm superseding your authority, sir. That's fine. He does that once an episode. He <laughs> likes to think he's you know super executive producer now, so he can do whatever the hell he he's got to put his dip in. So yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to call this a see it. This episode really pisses me off, like significantly. When I first saw it about three years ago, I immediately texted Dan and said, we had to do this on Trek Geeks because it was that infuriating. Spoiler alert, we haven't gotten around to it yet. But how dare Janeway tell Kim what he can and can't do? 
Good for Harry to standing up to her on principle. I must have missed all those dressing downs that she gave to the other crew members who were hooking up with other aliens. Um, Although I have to say, I do like the resolution between Janeway and Kim at the end of this one. But this whole notion that he has to clear anything through the captain is ludicrous. Um, I I can't imagine what would have happened in Kirk's day. Uh, Still, this is a good episode and worth the hour, Dan. Yeah, uh, I, I gave it a see it, and and my notes are are interesting based on what Bill said. I remember a few years back when Bill saw this for the first time, and he sent me an IM. <laughs> I honestly don't know if I've ever seen or heard him this pissed off about an episode of Trek. It was like crazy, um, and it was glorious at the same time. Um, this is one of those episodes where I think Janeway definitely stepped over the line as captain, and I don't blame Bill one bit for being so aggravated by what she does. Now, I'm sure there are some people that don't agree with this line of thinking because she is the captain of a crew stranded thousands of years from home, but no, there have to be some kinds of boundaries for people's personal lives if she's going to keep any level of respect with the crew, and this is a perfect example where she stepped on her own awful decision but but wait but wait but wait he he there's he mentions it that there is a rule that he can't do this on his own without i mean what's your what's your response to that i mean there there is a you know chapter whatever subset whatever yeah well there is but it seems to have been ignored every other time in star trek yeah okay um not just kirk Kirk would be in jail forever uh, half the enterprise d would be in jail uh forever (laughs) Um, you know, and Deep Space Nine and and now Voyager. This okay. is the only time this rule has ever been brought up or applied. Uh, and we never hear about it again. So it's convenient just for the story. That's exactly what okay. I um, agree with that. And this aspect of it, I, I think, is just is poor. Um, aside from the fact that I really like what Garrett Wong does in this episode with Harry Kim. And I, I appreciate the resolution that they come to at the end between uh, Kim and January, where she says, you know, I'm... I, I'm a little more protective of you uh, because you came to me wide-eyed in your first trip in space. I get it. I just don't like it. Okay. Um, I'm going to say skip this one. Um, I I think it's very telenovela. I think yeah. it's a convoluted plot. Um, if there was more going on, going on, I might be interested. And I actually honestly blame the director more than the screenwriter. I just think the direction is really poor. Um, it, it's just overdone. It's overbaked. It doesn't have a good feel to it. Um, uh, clearly there's more going on than meets the eye, but, uh, I, I just, I just never, it, 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 for me, it just, it, uh, it didn't, uh, hit a chord, strike a chord for me. Sorry, skip it. No. And Camp Kittimer is right there with you. 43.6% of people taking the poll said they would see this episode. So this is one of the few where, you know, the number of see it's is clearly in the minority. Mm -hmm. There aren't very many verbatims on this one with the exception of meh, see it barely, and then skip it. The antidote is skipping this episode. (laughs) The antidote. (laughs) Do you get money every time someone says meh there? Do you get a quarter? I wish I did. A Susan B. Anthony dollar. Yeah, that's or? what it is. A two dollar bill. No. Oh, two dollar mm-hmm. bill. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Moving on to episode number eighteen. Course oblivion. Dun dun dun. After Taurus and Paris get married, or do they? Uh, what? Subspace radiation causes the crew and their ship to disintegrate. 
William E. Smith, you are up. Thank you, Matt. Um, I see it. I love, love, love this episode. And what a fantastic way to close the loop on last season's demon. I love that the two ships never meet. And this episode is just some fantastic science fiction. The viewers really left wondering what the hell is going on in this one. And when it becomes clear, you're like, oh, um, I, I know that there are going to be some people who hate this episode and I get it, Matt. But uh, for me, Dan, this one's a see it. What do they do when they realize what's going on? Oh, Whoa. <laughs> that, wow. Stereo. Um, <laughs> I'm actually giving this one a see it also um, as the sequel to Demon. I think it's actually quite good considering what a trash episode I think Demon was. I just, <laughs> I hated that episode. And I know that Bill gave it a C it last season, but I just despise it. It's a good follow-up and it's got some interesting twists and plot points. And how eerie is it, like Bill said, that the distressed call that they sent was intercepted by the real Voyager and crew a little too late. I know. Oh my God, Matt, take over. This was bare, <laughs> barely a see it for me. Um, the the end when their faces were melting off, I I, I was just I, I wanted to turn it off. Um, I wish it'll happen every day. But <laughs> but like you guys, I like the you know at the beginning uh, when I first watched this, um, and this is one that I kind of forgotten about. So when I rewatched it, and they and uh, Janeway uh, refers to Paris as lieutenant, and I said, well, that's well, there's a mistake, you know. And then I noticed all of the touching between Janeway and Chakotay yep. in his ready room. And I was like, this, this is not, this is not, they're not, somebody's not paying attention. And then when we get the twist, then I was like, okay, that's oh bleep. Uh, so yeah. I, I really, because of that, I, I say it's a see it. Um, but it this one did kind of run out of steam at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, literally, um, it did it. They, and those guys were off the rails. At <laughs> yeah, the they end. were. I mean, they they were primordial soup, and uh, <sighs> and so. Um, uh, but but it's a barely a see it for me. You know, it's interesting because I feel like this episode uh, would have been a great crossover with the Twilight Zone because it kind of has that quality to it. Um, looking at the respondents in Camp Kittimer, um, it's interesting. Somebody says every time I watch this, I want them to succeed. Yeah. See it. Um, and, and this comment really, I just, I read for the first time just a moment ago and it really kind of makes me think the, one of the best things just keep getting worse episodes and there's no reset button for the demon crew. That is. Oh, that's a good point. Um, yeah. It's, no it's year the, of hell. Yeah. It's not year of hell. So, uh, 83.6% of respondents would see course oblivion. Wow. Okay. Uh, moving on to episode number 19, the fight. <clears throat> Chakotay lies in sickbay as he attempts to communicate with aliens through Okujimoya hallucinations. Dan, you're up first. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> skip it. And then skip it again. And after you've done skipping it, skip it one more time. Uh, would you skip it on H&I? Yes. Okay. I would even skip it on H&I. I'd rather watch the commercials on H&I. Uh, with the MyPillow guy. Um, <laughs> I have really grown to like Chakotay, and I really appreciate Beltran now, but Chakotay-centric episodes are just awful, and this is a perfect example. I would rather listen to Bill blather on about some ridiculous and pedantic psychobabble than watch this episode ever again, Bill. 
Well, that's like a regular thing, isn't it? Well, that's true. You're not helping. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to be unanimous on this one, I think. Probably. This is only my second skip it of the entire season, and we're 19 episodes in. Uh, and here it comes. For everyone who's been waiting, I, I want to reward you with meh. Or, to put it better, Akuchi meh, yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's like a fark is all yeah. meisms. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, in case it's not clear how I feel about it, Matt, um, meh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am going to surprise you guys. Oh, I think. Jesus! No, you're um, not. No, you're not. I am going to say, see this one. You're such a uh, liar. And the reason, other than Beltran's terrible hair that goes <laughs> from down to up to down to up to down to up, I I just think. It, there's definitely places in this episode where you just shake your head and say, this is, yeah, he, he really is gone crazy. And this is chaotic space. This episode is chaotic space, but I looked at it through the, through the lens that this was a challenge for, for Beltran. And I think that he did a pretty good job with it. I don't think it's great. I don't think that it's frame of mind. Um, but it's definitely trippy. There's a little bit of cue feel to the episode, the back and forth and back and forth. Um, and I, I really like the doctor tie in. And this was an episode where I really, to me, I really started really realizing how important the, the doctor is in almost every episode. Um, so while it's not a perfect episode and it's got some pretty weird, poor moments, uh, for me, it's it's a see it. I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> I, I, I've known you for almost 40 years, and I don't even know who you are. Um, wow. Um, this episode, as Dan might have guessed earlier in the episode, was the lowest rating of the season from Camp Kittimer. Really? At 23.6% of respondents. That's surprising. Ouch. Saying that they would side with Matt and see this episode. <laughs> I want to read a couple of the verbatim. I love you, 23%. <laughs> uh, skip it. Hard meh. Hard meh. Hard meh. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. Skip it. Uh, sorry Chakotay got such sucky episodes, but pass. Uh, is there a lower option than skip it? <laughs> and then this one is is probably my favorite verbatim on this particular episode don't just skip it take out the dvd nail it to a frisbee and fling it over a rainbow wow skip it wow that's that awesome. is hard cool. other than that no strong feelings yeah. on that episode matt yeah well oh. glad you went Stand alone on an island <laughs> <laughs> like usual uh all right uh moving on to episode number 20 think tank Voyager is being chased by the Hazari when a think tank offers assistance. Bill, you are up. This is, this is tough. This is one of those ones I went back and forth on in my mind. And ultimately I came down to say, see it. And just barely, I'm not a fan of this episode largely. And I'm not a huge fan of the casting of Jason Alexander here. And I don't love the premise of the episode. However, there are some really great and different characters here. And I think it's different enough from your average Voyager episode to give it a watch. I don't think it's, it's not among Voyager's, you know, all time worst. And it's certainly not among Voyager's all time best, Dan. Yeah, I agree. And the first thing I'll say is, first of all, I actually gave it a skip it. 
So we're, we're different. You said barely, but I just did give yeah. it a skip it. I totally agree with the Jason Alexander part, man. I hadn't really put that in my notes, but absolutely right. He just doesn't work in this episode for me. Um, but for the episode itself, you know, I have to deal with people who think they're smarter than they are every day at work. And even here on this podcast, <coughs> Bill, um, um, I don't need to see it in a Star Trek episode too, Matt. That's all I got to say. <laughs> oh, I, I'm all with you there. I'm all with you there. All with? Uh, all with. I'm all with. I'm all with. Um, I say this is a see it. Um, I, I totally agree with you guys with Jason Alexander. I don't know what happened here. I don't know if he reached out to them and said, hey, I want to be. And I can't. Why would they go to him for this? He, this isn't even his strength. He's a huge fan of Star Trek. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but terrible, terrible choice. Um, but other than that, I love the story. Uh, the seemingly no-win scenarios. I really appreciate that. Um, and uh, some great Janeway lines at the end of this episode. Mm. Um, and I, I agree with what, what you've said. I'm surprised, Dan, that you skip it. But, um, you know, I definitely think it's, it's a see it. You know, in all seriousness, the more I think about it, one of the main reasons why I might have given it a skip, but I know I joke about Bill and everything like that, but I think the Jason Alexander part of it really pulls yeah. me out. And yeah. that's why I ended up giving it a skip it uh, in my mind more than I realized. Well, you might be surprised to learn that 78% of Camp Ketamarians would see this episode. Um, I, that number is a lot higher than I thought it would be. One person says it's a guilty pleasure episode. Um, uh, <laughs> a couple of shots at Jason Alexander. Um, <laughs> Jason Alexander is annoying, but still it's an interesting enough story. That's kind of where I come in. Mm -hmm. uh, be careful what you wish for, right? See it. And then this one, this one's a little unnecessarily harsh on Jason Alexander. Did they purposely, purposely make Jason Alexander look fatter than he already oh, was? Geez. Not fair. <laughs> My goodness gracious. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, so yeah. I thought it was going to be a Costanza reference, but nope. Can't stand you? Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of can't stand you. Uh -uh. Hey, Matt. Oh, is that me? Yeah, it's back to you. <laughs> okay, episode number 21, Juggernaut. The crew responds to a distress, distress call from Malon Escape Pods contaminated with radiation. Dan, you are up first. Those pesky Malons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I gave this one to see it. I like the Malons. Uh, we saw them first in the season premiere, and I think we saw them a few episodes later. But I got to say, in all honesty, why are we seeing them now in episode 21? Because when you think about it, Voyager has made huge leaps towards home in terms of distance, uh, and they're still showing up. Uh, they're kind of like the Kazon of season five. Um, but still, the episode is pretty <laughs> enjoyable. Oh, just be quiet. Uh, the episode is pretty enjoyable. Uh, it's a little predictable. Uh, and I really like Roxanne's performance, um, having Bolana deal with her rage issues. I work on my rage issues whenever I have to listen to Bill, so I can really appreciate what she has to go through, Bill. Oh, change the channel already. Jeez. <laughs> Uh, every time something about Bill. <laughs> um, yeah, this one's a see it for me. I love the Malon. And sadly, this is the last time we ever see them. Uh, so, Dan, you can stop running your mouth because um, we never see them again. It's all because of you and your crappy attitude. Wow. Uh, this episode is is kind of average, but there's some really good character growth here for Bolana. So that's really why I kind of give it a see it, Matt. I absolutely agree. Definite see it. Um 
great Bolana episode. Uh, kind of strange that Neelix was on that away mission. I'm not really sure. I mean, there are obviously reasons to move the plot forward, but it was a little strange. Um, uh, I loved when Chakotay got nailed by that pipe. That was awesome. I don't know if you guys remember that, <laughs> but he got nailed. It was awesome. Um, I, I had a question for you guys about this whole scenario. Uh, is all the effort and potential exposure to radiation and death worth the risk for them to be on that ship? Because they're putting themselves pretty much there, saying if they're going to be on that ship for a long period of time, they're risking death. I, I guess I'll be the mean one in the group. There comes a time where you got to cut bait. <laughs> well, that's what oh, I... Wow. I, yeah, <laughs> no, that's... Well, but Janeway doesn't cut bait. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, well, I mean, that's, that's part of a problem. Part of a problem. <laughs> I mean, I, I, think that's, I think that's a trait of the character that's fairly well established. Yeah. I think that if it were that hopeless, um, they, they would have... I wouldn't say they cut bait, but you know they they probably would not have invested as much in it. But as long as there was a chance, I think Janeway's always going to take it and always try to do the right thing or do the Starfleet thing. So that's but kind let of me I throw think. a quandary at you. Don't want to get too deep into an, into an argument, but let's say that that chance to help them survive was they would have to turn around and travel fifty thousand light or fifty light years backwards and lose a lot of time on what they've done in the journey. Would it then be worth it? Well, I. I mean, that's, that's a hypothetical I can't really answer. I mean, because yeah. what would really happen is there would be a development in the last two minutes of the episode where they don't have to do that. Well, that's true, too. So, Matt? Was, it, was Sorry, this Matt. the first time? Uh, I think it's the first time I've ever seen a sonic shower operate. I think you're right. I think it is because we don't see it again. No, we don't see it again. And I can't really shower in Enterprise. But. I was going to say it's not sonic in Enterprise. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It was kind of interesting. Okay. That's what you have to give to the discussion? <laughs> well, well, let's just say that Camp Kenimer to the tune of 65.5% would see this episode juggernaut. Um, no real verbatims on this one, but uh, it's, a, it's at least uh, two-thirds of, of respondents like this episode. Cool. Okay. Episode 22, Someone to Watch Over Me. Seven of Nine Explorers Dating with some help from the doctor. Bill, you are first. I know I'm going to take heat on this one. Um, <laughs> and there's always one episode a season where it seems like I take heat for it. I know I'm in the minority. Um, it's just not an episode I've really ever liked. So this one's for me as I skip it. Yes, some decent things happen here. But this just isn't the character growth I want or need from these two at this point in the season or at this point in the series, Dan. I can, I can appreciate what you say there, man, because I looked at it as it was... It was an escape character growth episode, which is sure. why I liked it. I gave it a see it, um, and I put a joke in here. Don't listen to Bill. It's fun, uh, but I can understand where you're coming from. It is an escape, kind of like Bride of, Cha Bride of Chaotica, but on a somewhat lesser level. Mm. Um, don't concentrate on the you are my sunshine scene too much because I think a lot of people tend to do that. Um, it's really entertaining if you don't focus on that part because some people love it. Some people really hate it. Um, I think her date with Chapman is funny and awkward and he ends up in sick bay, which you just can't. It's just hilarious. And I got to say, you can't help but feel for the doctor because he, quote, falls for seven and he can't really do anything about it. Matt. Uh, I just definitely see it for me. Um, I think it's a really nice departure from the seriousness going on. Um, I love the, the date that seven goes on. Um, 
I, some of the lines in this episode too, when a seven says to Kim, you are not one of the candidates, Ensign. When he's <laughs> yeah. talking about, yeah. Um, qu- question I, oh, and this is a starship, not a nature preserve. I love that. Uh, I love that line too. Um, and that Robbie Duncan McNeil uh, directed this. I think this was his first, I think this is his first direction. I think. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I think it's the first one that he directed. Um, do you guys think that the doctor is capable of falling in love? I mean, is his is he programmed to evolve like that? That well, seemed a little far-fetched for me. Look at the quandary that we posed in the earlier episode with his memories being taken away yeah. and he should need to deal it. I brought up the idea of has his programming developed to the point where he could be considered sentient? And if he's sentient, if you agree with that, is he capable of feeling emotions and doesn't need to have an emotion chip that might get fused in his neural net and cause him to overact? Well, in, in season three, I mean, the doctor has that episode of real life where he has a holographic family and he goes right. through a significant loss there. So I can believe that the doctor has learned how to love or perhaps what he thinks love is based on the parameters of his program. I guess we don't really know because we don't, we don't see what happens to him after they get back. Yeah. You know, what about you, Matt? How do you feel on it? I already said, didn't I? I thought you asked the question, but you didn't really. Get oh the no, answer. no, I was. I definitely see it. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no he, I mean, I know. I mean about the whole love aspect of the. Oh, doctor. oh, 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 oh! You're asking me. You asked um, the question for God's sake. I, <laughs> yeah, well, that's because I don't know the answer. Oh, okay. I, 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 I have a difficult time, and I, I apologize for even saying it, but I have a difficult time believing that. As a hologram, he has an ability to fall in love with yeah. a real person. Okay. I understand. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of there. I, I have to admit, I don't know. Well, it's like yeah. the question they pose in The Measure of a Man of, uh, of does data right. have a soul? Right. I don't know. And I don't know about the doctor's capacity to love or feel genuine emotion. I honestly, I, I don't know. Camp Kittimer? Uh, 78.2%. So a very, very solid, respectable rating. Of course, like I said, I know I'm in the minority. Uh, my favorite comment is the blind leading the blind in love. <laughs> uh, one person thought it was creepy. I could see that. Um, and one other person said a good doctor story. So uh, the, the reactions kind of oh, run the creepy. whole gamut there. So, See, I think you would have to, you would, you would think it was creepy only if you thought that the doctor was capable of kind of hitting on seven, I think. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Uh, moving on to episode 23, 1159. Janeway reminisces about one of her ancestors, Shannon O'Donnell from Indiana. <laughs> Dan, you're up first. <laughs> wow. See it. I, I think this is a great episode. I love Shannon O'Donnell. Um, I love the flashbacks. And I don't care what the timeline is, guys. Seeing, quote, Janeway having trouble with an old beat-up car is just gold. No matter no matter what universe you're in, um, I really like Kevin Ty as Henry Janeway. Uh, the Millennium Gate, cool name. No aliens, no action scenes. I think it's a great story about how perceptions of heroes might be a bit overdone when you get right down to the heart of the matter. And I really like this episode, Bill. You know, I do too. It's a see it for me. I don't get the dislike for this episode because it's just great Star Trek and a great way to take the topic of the millennium and bring it to the future. It's a little predictable, um, but I think it's very well well written and well acted, uh, unlike other members of this dais, Matt. (laughs) This episode sucks. (laughs) 
I mean, I mean, it's horrible. Other than that, you have no strong feelings. No, I mean, I love Hallmark movies. I watch them all the time. I love Hallmark Christmas movies. I could watch them 24-7, 365 days a year. This is definitely a Hallmark movie, but a really bad Hallmark movie. <laughs> and I guess I go back to the way I look at this is, is this, should this be seen? And this may be controversial. I don't know, but um, I don't really see this as a Star Trek episode. And so should I, should you see it or skip this one in terms of the relativity of Voyager? I say no, because I think <laughs> if you don't watch it, you're not going to lose anything. That's the way I see it. That's a good point. You're not, um, but I think there are plenty of episodes of Star Trek where that's true. Um, you know, because, I mean, it, at this point in Star Trek, it is still very episodic in nature. And there are even episodes in this season of Voyager where you could drop in. It doesn't really impact anything. So for me, I, I could do that the same thing with this. Um, like, I could drop the next one. It doesn't really matter. Well, what's the tie-in to what's happening in this episode or this story with what's happening on the ship? Uh, does well, there have I- to be one? I could also really be out on a limb here when I say, well, Janeway, the whole idea of Janeway being a captain and (laughs) how she, wow, how she um, holds herself to a certain, you know, level is based on the reverence that she had towards this ancestor of hers. No. Okay. That's fair. I was just trying. (laughs) Shot in the dark. Well, uh, 67.3% of Camp Kittimer respondents would see this episode. So only two out of three. Uh, one person said, skip it, meh. Another person said, essential Voyager, see it. Oh, my God. Uh, somebody says, boring. <laughs> somebody says, see it better than the usual TNG season eight wannabe episodes. <laughs> um, so there but, are reactions how, all over the place. But how is this essential Voyager? Like, I get it if you like it. That's one thing. But how is it essential Voyager? Because it's got I, the Millennium Gate. I don't have that answer. Oh, good Lord. I don't have that answer. Okay. Well, I don't have it either. Maybe you should stop yelling at me. <laughs> so easy. Though. It's so easy. Though. It is. It is so easy. <laughs> Speaking of so easy, Matt, <laughs> take it away. Oh, you're too kind. Uh, episode 24, Relativity. Captain Braxton recruits Seven of Nine to stop Voyager from being sabotage. 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 Bill, you are first. Sabotage. Sabotage. You see sabotage. Sabotage. Uh, I would see it uh, with relativity. This one's interesting enough, although it's not a favorite of mine. Uh, There are great performances from everyone all around, including Bruce McGill as Braxton. And it's, it's really weird to see Dutch from the shield as a future Starfleet officer. But uh, I don't know if I dig the concept of future, future Braxton being a bad guy because it's a little too minority report for my tastes. Still, though, Dan, I think it's worth a watch. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And then some, I gave this a see it. And I said, this is right up there with Timeless. It's perhaps my favorite episode of the season. Really? I love this episode with all the jumping back and forth. And and you get to see things on Voyager before the first episode of Voyager when, she ta- when Janeway comes on the ship for the first time. I just really love the callbacks. I love that kind of story with time travel. And kind of like what you said, I love the fact that the sheriff from My Cousin Vinny is a crazy Starfleet captain. <laughs> definitely see it for me i totally agree with you guys or you know with the comments um i'm sure people can find problems with the time travel oh, stuff yeah. i mean i know there's people who pick away at that stuff 
but um, it doesn't bother me. I love the time paradox stuff. When you see seven of nine or the non-Borg seven of nine, that was definite oblique moment for me. Mm-hmm. And I love these episodes where your guess is as good as mine. Like, I don't know who these people are and what's happening. And they're giving you little kernels to keep moving along. Um, but you don't really get the uh, information till the end. I really like those episodes. Um, I, did you guys not see from early on that Braxton was the one that was leaving the bomb? Of, yeah, I kind of figured it. Yeah, yeah okay. I kind of figured it too. Okay. All it's right. a, one of my team, it's a most ingenious paradox. <laughs> um, it's interesting because with Camp Kittimer, this episode is the highest rated of the season yeah. as far as campers go. And it's relativity and not the season finale. That's is what fascinates me. Yeah. 98.2% wow. of respondents said that they would see this episode. Um, I, I'm, I'm stunned. That means there's really only probably like one person uh, yeah. or two that said, skip it. So the relativity is obviously in Canon now. Yes. I mean, yes. So those uniforms and that type of, the time ship, they call it the time ship, mm-hmm. USS Relativity. Are there other time ships? Do they show up in other Star Treks? Don't know. We Never seen them, right? Different. The we haven't gone that far in the future to see. Different badges. So Yeah, and even yeah. we're going to go past it when we get to Discovery That's Season right. 3. Yep. So we'll be a couple hundred years after that. I will say with the Relativity, I like how easy it is to like do stuff on the screen. They just kind of like spin their arm around to make their, 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 their stuff work. It's kind of cool. And that's then, that's then, that's the sort of thing that I thought people would pick apart, right? So, well, how, how, you know, how do you do that in the future? <laughs> Those stupid people. <laughs> All right, are we on to? Are we at twenty five? We're at twenty five. Thank God. All right, <laughs> tell me Epis- about it. Episode twenty five, Warhead. The crew re- re- rescues a device with artificial intelligence, which takes control of the Doctor and reveals itself to be a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, Dan, you're up first. Well, I'll give this one a see it, but you know, why on earth or why on any planet, since we're talking Voyager, would someone want to make a smart bomb sentient and smart? You you know that's a recipe for disaster. Skynet, anyone? Re- I mean, really? You know what's going to happen. The bomb realizes what it is and hijacks the dock and then Voyager... Yeah, well, you know, while this episode isn't the best of the season, it certainly isn't a bomb. <laughs> Bill? I hate you so much. <laughs> I mean, really. That's, Sorry. Sorry. Stop. <laughs> stop. I'm glad this episode's almost over. I can't take it. <laughs> um, this one for me is a see it. Uh, a smart, smart bomb, huh? I don't know why Star Trek didn't come up with that before, but it works for me. Um, there are some interesting things that happen in this one. Plus, it's kind of cool to see the Doctor's program get infiltrated by this thing. Oh, and nice to see Mackenzie Westmore in this episode. She, the daughter of Michael Westmore, and eventually the host of the reality competition series Face Off on the Sci-Fi Channel. So um, lots of fun stuff in this one, Matt. Yeah, I totally see it for me. Um, Great acting of Bob Picardo's uh, great acting in this one. Harry Harry Kim saving the day, proving himself. Um, and I love the whole thing, the organic being versus technology, kill it or abandon it, that whole, you know, back and forth, the, 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 the ethical struggle there. Um, I, I, I really liked it a lot. I thought it was a definite see it. 
I'm really kind of surprised that Camp Kittimer is kind of tepid on this one. Uh, it's kind of almost a 50-50 split. 56.4% of respondents said that they would see this episode. Um, it's really kind of low compared to the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, one person had a Dan moment. They read the entire plot summary and have no memory of this episode. Yes. Uh, one person said see it barely. Another person said a plot that's interesting and doesn't seem like a retread. Better Harry Kim material than Timeless. Although we'll not question why the other 32 warheads never completed their mission. Sorry, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> hey, I just read them. Yeah, that's you know? okay. Everyone's favorite is somebody else's least favorite, but that's, that's just, wow. That's it. So that's the story on the penultimate episode of season five. Okay, so we're on to the last episode, episode number 26. Equinox part one, Voyager finds another Federation ship, the USS Equinox, under attack from flying nucleogenic life forms. Say that three times fast. Bill, you are up first. Nucleogenic, nucleogenic, nucleogenic. <laughs> Such an ass. See, if you had told Dan to do that, he would have messed I'd up. Like, totally. Put my pants on. <laughs> he, he, he fell off the branch 10 minutes ago. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> Uh, it was on the ugly tree too. Yeah, um, it was. I would. I'm going to say see this episode. I think anyone that knows me knows it's a see it. Cliffhangers are back, baby. This one's a biggie. I love it. I love <laughs> this the, is a biggie. I love the dilemma here. I, I and I, I love the threat. It's definitely something new and interesting. It's a great what if kind of episode in a way to examine what might have happened if Janeway had abandoned Starfleet principles, and we can see the ramifications are really severe. And um, I wonder what happens next season, Dan. I don't know, but we'll find out next time we have see it or skip. Sorry. Um, This is a definite, definite see it for me. It's a great season finale and a really decent cliffhanger. John Savage is great as Captain Ransom. And you got to wonder if there's any relation to the first officer of the USS Cerritos at this point. But we'll get into that another time. And hello, Titus Welliver. Bosch himself is part of official so Star good. Trek canon. So um, good. I think that's fantastic. I love the design of the Equinox. I love that you can see just how that crew has gone into a really deep, dark place with the actions that they've taken against the aliens and Voyager. Great story. Can't wait for part two. Matt? Absolute see it for me. Uh, I thought it was excellent. Um, Janeway standing up, up on her principles. Um, the only question I had is, couldn't you put better security officers in charge of guarding the Equinox crew? <laughs> Maybe. Those guys, oh my God, idiots. Um, the only other issue I had were the the Ghostbusters ghosts. Um, <laughs> I just thought that, you know, and maybe that's all that they had for special effects back then. But um, I loved, I loved when, was it Harry Kim that called Tom Paris turkey platter? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was great, um, but uh, I, I just loved—I loved the uh, the story, uh, Janeway, and the, the the whole thing. And I do look forward to the next uh, episode. So see it for me, Bill. Well, it's a uh, it's pretty much a see it for Camp Kittimer. This is the second highest rating of the season at ninety six point four percent. Still surprised it's not higher because it's Equinox. Um, one of the verbatims, uh, such a brilliant premise. And then the other one, terrific two-parter with moral dilemma that doesn't seem contrived. And that's really what, what, what I think the big takeaway is from that there. I, I think that people like Equinox because of that fact. It's a very different problem for the group. And there we have it. That's season five, Maddie. You did a fantastic job for the oh, most part. 
Thank you. Well, I know I can't be perfect, but <laughs> you usually are, though. But wow, you had a lot of skippets, dude. I'm going to go on a vision quest now. <laughs> well, let's talk percentages, boys, because I happen to have them right here in my hot little hands. Yeah. Uh, uh, Matt, you were 20 of 26 episodes for 76.92%. Well, just uh, everybody listening, remind yourself that Matt is the Voyager <laughs> super fan. Yeah. Because, Dan, you had 22 of 26 for 84.62%. However, um, I have my highest See It or Skip It ranking ever in the history of See It or Skip It with 23 of 26 episodes for 88.46%. Wow. Suck on that, Voyager Superfan. Do you know what's (laughs) amazing about that, though, is that how we differed. You know, I mean, it's pretty close. No, you're just dumb. Okay. (laughs) No. No, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's awesome. You're awesome, my brother. I love yes, you so you much. Oh, I love so you much. guys too. Thank you. Thank you for, for being here with us and for yeah. always for your support and yeah. friendship and, and all of that. It's, uh, it's a bummer we can't convene in, in the desert this summer, but uh, as soon as we are able, uh, it stakes for all three of us. Definitely. Yes. And the laugh loudly in the restaurant again. Yes, yes. Well, of course, you know, uh, we, we thank Matt for being here, and we also have to thank the band Five Year Mission. Um, I, we love these guys. You mm. know, their music is just so amazing. Uh, we listen to all their albums routinely. I have all their CDs right over there, and uh, I am listening to them on a regular basis. Uh, in addition to being all the music here on Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek and Rewind and and probably other shows that are going to be on the network any day now, Um they also have a podcast here. So their own music on their own podcast. And of course the podcast is five year mission. The podcast um, every other Monday here on the Trek Geeks network. I'm just glad that they use their own music on that podcast. That would be a little odd, wouldn't it? It would. It, it, it's a shame. Yeah. They can't use something like Lido shuffle from boss gags. Oh boy. They yeah. Should make a star Trek song out of that. Anyway. Uh, um, you know what? I haven't watched a lot of recently, Bill um, star Trek, star Trek, deep space nine, actually. Season seven specifically. Haven't watched a lot of that until recently. Oh, well, good. Um, because I watched, I watched one the other night. Oh, it's a good one. You know, in this yeah. pandemic, you have, to, you have to binge things every now and then just to yeah. get your mind off the world. So I, I totally get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, I'm sure you're going to remember this episode. It's, a, it's, a, it's an emotional one. Poor Captain Cisco. You know, nothing's going right. Kai Wynn has pretty much shoehorned herself into officiating his wedding. Ugh. You know, a wedding that the prophets say will bring him nothing but sorrow. So that's not good. And on top of that, the Dominion has allied with the Breen and they're set on destroying the Federation. Ugh. But eh, never mind that. Back to the more important issue of the wedding, because that's important stuff. You know, why is Kira and why are the prophets so against this union, Bill? Is it because he's the emissary? Is it because Cassidy used to be a Maquis sympathizer? Nah, I don't think it's either of those things. I think it's because they couldn't get five-year mission to be the band at their reception. That'd be enough for me to call it off, too, just to let you know. It's, yeah, it's, clearly. It's, it's DS9 Season 7, Till Death Do Us Fark. Yeah. Badoom Smash. I'm sorry, what's Badoom Smash? <laughs> sorry, that's a Conan reference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> FiveYearMission.net, please head out to their website, get all their CDs, get that physical media in your hands, and show the band some love, because we love them, and we know you will, 
too. Don't forget, too, that you can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing via Patreon, where you can get all kinds of special exclusive perks like laptop stickers and T-shirts and our unparalleled annual supporters pin, which we produce with our friends at Fansets every year, Dan. Looks great, too. Uh, We want to take a moment right now to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support, and they are Dave Andrews, Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Brooke Horton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Molenkoff, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Sirdar, Heather Sohn, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Trey Womack, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. So gracious and so wonderful. We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Rachel Delaney, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Steph Lesque, Lionel Marchand, Some Idiot Named Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. You, too, can become producer on the Trek Geeks Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, we're going to get this thing back on track with some much-anticipated trivia. Um, We were originally doing it to celebrate your birthday, but it looks like we're going to be celebrating mine. Yeah. Effing happy birthday, jerk. (laughs) (laughs) We're still going to do that, huh? Well, all righty then. You know, it is the ultimate test of knowledge. It is the truest test of Superfan 1701. On our next episode, Bill throws out all the rules and challenges me to see if I am the Trek guru I always claim to be. Next week, it's Stomp the Geek Infinity on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. I can't wait. Five categories, five questions, and a super bonus all next week on the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out our other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. In addition to Rewind, Politrex, and Five-Year Mission, and that little Discovering Trek thing we talked about a bit ago, you can also hear the brand new Infinite Trek with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala every Tuesday. You can find all of our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network, no one talks Trek like we do. And, of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek's, yo, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 232 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut. (laughs) Go yourself, San Diego. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.
coconut.